This is Plant-Based Briefing, Vistopia, The Anguish of Being Vegan in a Non-Vegan World, by Michael Lofay of TheMinimalistVegan.com. And I'm your host, Marian Erickson, and this is the Curated Content Plant-Based Podcast, where I narrate a variety of articles with permission on plant-based and vegan living. Today's post is from Michael Lofay of TheMinimalistVegan.com. He and his wife, Marsha, are best-selling authors, passionate bloggers, YouTubers, and podcasters. And now let's get to today's plant-based briefing. Vistopia, The Anguish of Being Vegan in a Non-Vegan World by Michael O'Fay of TheMinimalistVegan.com Imagine a world where you felt overwhelmed and suffocated with all that was wrong. Everything you thought to be the truth was lies, all lies. As a result, our world becomes a dark place, a place where greed, superiority, and ego corrupt everything. Doesn't sound great, does it? On the flip side, imagine a world where people, regardless of their differences, the planet, and animals live in peace and harmony together. To help us better understand the gap between darkness and light, Claire Mann, author, psychologist, and animal activist, has coined a new term called Vistopia. We had the opportunity to sit down with Claire to discuss her book, Vistopia, The Anguish of Being Vegan in a Non-Vegan World. In this conversation, we learn a little about Claire's background before diving into what Vistopia is all about. I must admit that after chatting to Claire weeks ago, Marcia and I routinely throw the term Vistopia around in our personal conversations and how certain situations make us feel like we're living in a Vistopia. Enjoy the conversation. Are you still practicing psychology? Are you mainly focused on vegan clients or a broader audience as well? I've been a psychologist for nearly 30 years, working in both organizational and counseling psychology, and I've always been the person who wants to have the conversation that matters. So whether I work with vegan or non-vegan clients, I've always wanted to push the envelope, ask why they do what they do and what are the consequences of their actions. That's how I was brought up. I've been an organizational psychologist, and behind closed doors, people used to tell me their life problems in a corporate or small business environment. As many people know, there's a lot of pushing and shoving that goes on. So my goal was to focus on ethical leadership to create positive cultures. I worked for many years behind these closed doors, and because of the experiences I had, I trained as an existential psychotherapist. You've got to be in therapy every week for four years during your training, so it's very intense. Today, I spend two days a week seeing clients, and now 95% of my clients are vegan. That's largely a result of how I've become more vocal about veganism and animal rights issues. I've also been running public leadership and communication programs, which I've done for six years. I've just run my last workshop. Over the past six years, I've held 32 workshops, and 43 people have gone through an intensive 16-month leadership and communication program. I now want to take this experience and make it into an online program for vegans, which would be at a much different and more affordable price point to what it is now. As a vegan, I don't think we have time to waste, so I'm very much shifting my focus to how I can help the movement. How long have you been vegan for? I've been vegan for nine and a half years. However, in 1979, I read a book by Bob Geldof called Is That It? He talked about an abattoir he worked at in Ireland, and I gave up meat on the spot. I just wish I asked more questions back then or had access to vegans who could show me the way. Twenty years later, I realized that I was allergic to dairy products, and so I stopped eating dairy. I only wish I had asked more questions about where dairy comes from, as I would have stopped eating it much earlier. So what happened nine and a half years ago? My husband Brendan and I were living in New Zealand off the grid, the minimalist life. 
We built a house with solar and hydroelectricity, and we ran online and direct businesses via satellite internet. It was a beautiful environment on the South Island. One night, Brendan and I heard a terrible howling. Some would close their ears, but I'm sure a lot of people reading this post wouldn't. So we investigated to find that it was pig dog hunting. I saw dogs thrown back in cages having been scored by pigs. Even at minus seven degrees, they were left in cages. So I got video footage and had them taken away. But shortly afterwards, their owner, in the eyes of the law, although I don't like this term, agreed to clean up the prisoners and they were given back to him. We investigated more deeply and learned about the hunting culture, which is a very confronting picture. We decided to live in a rural area for many reasons, but we were witnessing this speciesism and attitude firsthand, and so near to our home that we couldn't continue to live there, so we came back to Australia. My very wise husband said, This can't just be New Zealand. We need to start looking deeper. He came across the intensive factory farming of pigs in Australia. And I honestly think at the time, being 20 years a psychologist, even working in homicide and having worked in war-torn areas in the Middle East, I didn't think I could hurt that much after what I saw. So then Brendan and I, with two dogs at the time, became vegan on the spot. What is Vistopia? Vistopia is a word I created for two reasons, to validate the anguish that ethical vegans feel when they lift the veil on the truth, firstly about the systemized cruelty towards animals, which is hidden from public view, of course. But then, as vegans start to tell people, this trance-like collusion is what I'm calling a Vistopian world. Vistopia sounds like utopia or dystopia, and that's where I drew inspiration for my concept. Utopia, of course, is a place of joy, freedom, kindness, and compassion, a beautiful, ideal place of the world we'd like to live in. Dystopia is darkness, greed, competition, abuse, totalitarianism. Writers such as Aldous Huxley and other existential authors write about this, or as David Icke calls it, the totalitarian tiptoe. And when people get there, they don't realize that they're there. So when someone becomes a vegan, it's the anguish of knowing about the systemized and industrialized cruelty towards animals on such a huge scale. And then you start to tell people who have this trance-like collusion in the dystopian world. Now, a lot of people would ask, are we really in a dystopia? And actually, in a lot of cases, we are. Once we lift the veil on the 150 billion-plus animals a year abused in a way that you and I know. If we didn't know about that, what else do we not know about? So once we start to scratch the surface, as my book says, you begin to look at the environment, broader medicine, economics, education. You start to realize that what you've been told is not true. But when you start to tell people, a vegan's anguish increases because the person refuses to talk, ignores it, or ridicules it. Or they would be in so much anguish themselves that they can't bear for their world to be that shaken that they lose all hope. They think to themselves that nothing will ever change. This dystopia results in an awful alienation, fear, loneliness, and desperation, because you can see people in the darkness being part of the collusion with this by their non-action, and yet you know they've been duped. But the ethical vegan can't get away with this because they're trying to play their part in being the solution, yet they come up against this resistance as if they're the difficult one trying to tell people what to do. What are you hoping to see as a transformation from people knowing about Vistopia? Giving people a label is very powerful. Firstly, I want to validate the vegan's experience. I want vegans to feel like, oh my God, that's exactly what it is, in one word. 
It tries to simplify incredibly complex and convoluted layers of deception, subterfusion, darkness, and trance-like matrix stuff. Sometimes what I tell people is that you think you're going to have a conversation with someone who's taken the red pill, and they've taken a bottle of the blue ones. The other part is because I'm seeing a shift in medical practice. Practitioners send people to me saying, this person has an eating disorder, self-adjustment disorder, or are self-harming because of the video footage they're watching. When the person comes to me, they hesitantly start talking about how they're vegan. Imagine what my patients feel like when they find out that I'm vegan. I reassure them that they don't have a disorder. They've been to the slaughterhouse and they know what's going on. Of course they don't want to eat that. But I'm finding in the medical profession, if I don't get the word out quickly, I think the industry is going to continue to think that the symptoms of veganism are something akin to pathological disorders, but in fact it's a normal response to any feeling human being. They should be feeling like this when they find out. Practitioners instead say that vegans are abusing and self-harming themselves by watching videos of slaughter footage. In other words, practitioners say that clients have a problem when in fact they are unwittingly colluding with the Vistopia. Regarding the results that I want, it's to empower the vegan and to help them develop a level of linguistic mastery so they can communicate effectively to get people out of the trance so we can ultimately recreate this world. How bad do you think this Vistopia is for vegans? What have you seen with your clients on the impact of their mental health as a result of Vistopia? In one of the chapters in the book, I talk about the symptoms of Vistopia on an emotional, psychological, physical, and social level. They have symptoms that anyone linked to the medical profession would say they suffer from depression, anxiety, panic attacks, grief, suicidality, hating the human race, can't believe that their family are part of this. This awful angst operates at many different levels. I once wrote an article where I started off by saying, I'm a psychologist and I appear to have a mental health disorder. In this article, I said there are times where I feel depressed, anxious, and probably have panic attacks all because of the madness of our speciesism but the symptoms people have are commonly anxiety, particularly those who work undercover, for example, in slaughterhouses, puppy farms, or live exports. For the average ethical vegan, of course, you can't walk past a restaurant and smell roast chicken without being taken back to what happened to the dear sentient animal. If we were to hand this book to a non-vegan, what do you want them to get out of it? I want them to break the trance, to try to get a chink of consciousness. The first chapter of the book does not mention veganism until the very end. I want to place just a bit of doubt in the minds for them to think, oh, maybe I haven't been asking the right questions. Maybe I've been duped. I wonder why I think like this. What role do you think minimalism can play to support people experiencing Vistopia? I was taught that frugality brings you peace in this world. My father is 94, still alive, and still saves money out of his pension. I've always followed this principle of frugality. I drive a 20-year-old car. I live off the grid. I've taken my current shoes for repair four years in a row because I don't want them going into landfill. There's a constant demand for things in our system. The profit motive is there for people to keep consuming. At the same time, it's hard. Try getting your television fixed these days. You can't. Or the bulb to repair your projector is more expensive than a new projector. So there's a constant disconnect between the consequences of our actions. From a psychological point of view, people are born into what I believe is socioeconomic slavery. It has been suggested that if everyone on the planet consumed as much as the average U.S. citizen, four Earths would be needed to sustain them. This is totally unsustainable. Living off the grid taught me something essential. I become acutely aware of the environment, as in New Zealand, we were dependent on natural resources to power our home. So suddenly, I wasn't separate from the environment.
For many of us, when we turn on the tap or turn on a light, we don't think about the consequences. And what my experience taught me is that we're not in the environment, we are the environment. Minimalism offers us a way to be connected to the consequences of our actions. You just listened to Vistopia, The Anguish of Being Vegan in a Non-Vegan World by Michael Lofay at TheMinimalistVegan.com. And if you know anyone who is suffering from Vistopia, please share this episode with them. They are not alone and they are very normal. And there's also a Vistopia support group on Facebook that can be very helpful as well. I'll put a link to it in the show notes. I'm Marian Erickson and thanks for listening.